Texas Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Texas. Brought to you by Independent Financial, banking for business, banking for life. And by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, San Antonio Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Ed Arnold welcomes one of the Alamo City's educational and community leaders and keynote speaker for our upcoming 40 Under 40 Awards presentation. All right, we are here for the latest episode of the Texas Business Minds podcast with Dr. Lawrence Scott. He's a professor here at Texas A&M San Antonio. He is also uh, the 2018, my memory's failing, Lawrence, the 2018 40 Under 40 Man of the Year here at the San Antonio Business Journal 40 Under 40 Awards. And he has been kind enough to come back and be the keynote speaker for us at this year's event. So we're real happy to have him here. Uh, and on top of that, he is the executive director for a nonprofit uh, community for life. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I wanted to welcome Lawrence. Dr. Scott, Excellent. thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate thank it so you. much. Thank you, Ed. Glad to see you. Glad to uh, be a part of this process and program. I'm really excited about what's coming up in uh, San Antonio Business Journal, 40 and 40. Definitely excited. I know. I know. Life changing. It's, it's very exciting. So you know what? Let's do that. Why don't we kick it off by talking a little bit about that? So when you got named man of the year back in 2018 and 40 under 40, tell us about where you were and what you've been through and where you were in your, in your life at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So I was just leaving an administrative position at, at San Antonio ISD. I was there for 17 years. I was a teacher, a school counselor, a curriculum writer, um, and a, an administrator. Uh, so 17 years, and I was also alumnus of, of San Antonio ISD. So I was leaving uh, the K-12 system and going to the collegiate system uh, full-time. As a professor, I do uh, educational leadership, which is, you know, prepare the next cadre of principals and superintendents. So definitely, uh, I lived in anonymity for about <laughs> 18 years, uh, just working, you know, working hard and uh, you know, having parent conferences and and uh, faculty meetings and transitioning from there to now doing research, writing, uh, teaching full time. And uh, again, I, I lived in some form of uh, echo chamber or anonymity. But then I win the San Antonio Business Journal Man of the Year and an explosion happens at <laughs> utter mayhem. I would say. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was I was contacted by. Uh, or I was in rooms with uh, conversing with some of our, uh, I would say, state's top leaders. And um, and I've been able to exponentially grow uh, our foundation. I was also a uh, community five foundation uh, the executive director. I was also able to almost double the amount of, of scholarship money that we raised. R.C. Buford, the you know, Spurs uh, CEO, he uh, had me sit on a panel and I guess consult some of our top CEOs in the city mm -hmm. on issues in, uh, on education and criminal justice reform. And so again, I'm in rooms with some of our our most astute um, leaders in the city. And I owe all that to the San Antonio <laughs> wow. Business Journal effect. Well, no, 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 I will say this. We just got, you know, one of the things is you're good, if you're good at business, what you do is you buy low. And we saw very clearly that, that Lauren Scott was a stock we wanted to be invested in. But okay. a big reason for that was your nonprofit, which is what we should be talking about too, is Community for Life, which is, absolutely, you know, it was a smaller program then, but it was just as impactful in the people that it was helping out and the lives that it was touching. Would you help explain what it was for, what the genesis of it was, and, and how it's going? Absolutely. So I was actually a 2003 recipient. 
Uh, and I was uh, I was told by the chairman, um, I thought he wanted me to, you know, to be a board member. And, he, you know, in 2011, he wanted me to take over it. <laughs> so <laughs> needless to say, and little did I know what that entailed. We didn't even have a website when I took over it. I mean, we didn't have right. a website. We right. were given about about twenty five thousand a year, about twenty, twenty five thousand a year, right. which is great. I mean, this is, right. you know, yeah. twenty five dollars at a time, uh, lots of meetings, things like that. So first, you know, first order of business, obviously, to get our name out there. And so um, so thankfully, we've been able to to um it's our 21st year 327 recipients over $780,000 given to date. Uh, and so uh, we're almost at the million dollar mark. And now we're averaging about $50,000 a year in scholarships. So we're, we're about doubling uh, our, our funds. Now, again, I, I do this part-time, but again, the impact is phenomenal. Uh, people have stepped up all over the city. Uh, and again, this, the San Antonio Business Journal effect <laughs> from every facet. Uh, Spurs are our donors now, QVC, HEB. We have a lot of other corporate sponsors as well. And all that uh, I can attribute to that. That, uh, 2018 year, <laughs> Central Business Journal year. I'm, I'm so glad that we could help you make a bigger impact because that was that was a big goal of of giving you that award. In fact, I remember the voting on it was very specifically that this is a program we'd love to see scale up. We draw more attention to it. We think that's good for San Antonio and, and Texas in general. Thank you. Coming back to that, your main day job, though, is in education. You're right. training the next generation of principals, superintendents, those kind of things here. And there's been... Uh, you know, enormous turmoil in the last couple of years for yeah. education in the state, in particular, and, and a lot of pressure on teachers. You know, what has been your perspective as someone who's been, you know, helping people move into the profession? What's been your perspective on on the last couple of years of, of strain for our education system? Right. Well, I've, I've been disheartened. I mean, of course, uh, post-pandemic, uh, there's been a lot of changes and uh, students have, have changed quite a bit. <laughs> but also teacher retention is near and dear to my heart. A lot of my research deals with teacher retention, particularly as it relates to urban communities. And I just feel that we aren't giving you know, our teachers the pay that they deserve to attract train and retain the type of teachers we need. So, and then also there should be this symbiotic relationship between the community or parents and teachers. And somehow we've transitioned to an adversarial relationship. Right. And so I want to, my, my job is a bridge builder. I, you know, I, I tell everywhere I go, everyone, uh, everyone that I speak to, that I'm a bridge builder. My job is to let's bring these disparate groups and let's bring them together for the sake of our communities, for the sake of our kids. And so um, I, I part-time now as an assistant principal at a local middle school as well. So I have about four jobs now. Uh, it's been interesting because I wanted to be on the ground and understand and know as I'm training current principals and current superintendents, I wanted to see what are some of the main um, issues and the malaise that's plaguing our, our teachers. And the biggest thing is retention. Principals cannot keep teachers there. And so one of the things, too, is the, the curriculum, curriculum alignment. I know there's been a, a big discussion about, you know, critical race theory and some other things. And our team, thankfully, our team helped to write the African-American studies course for the state of Texas, a team of 41 experts. And so our goal was now is to make sure our teachers can you know, are adequately trained, right, in culturally relevant pedagogy, basically saying, can you teach the curriculum that is going to inspire our kids, particularly our kids in urban communities. There's longitudinal data that shows when students see themselves reflected in the curriculum, then they're going to do better. Now, it doesn't matter. 83% of teachers in America are, are white female. So it doesn't matter your race, right? 
There's things that transmute. Love transmutes. A child feeling like they matter transmutes. A child seeing themselves reflected in the curricula transmutes. And so that's what we we're trying to do as far as teacher retention, making sure our teachers are adequately trained so that they can create the 21st century leaders for the communities, uh, which are our students. Absolutely. I mean, teachers feeling supported was something that just felt like a given forever and right. ever and ever. I think about it like this. I read somewhere that the number of teachers who are breaking contract in mid-year had, has just never been higher. And that is a thing that teachers right. would never do. They may leave the profession, right. but it was so rare for one to leave the middle of a year, in the middle of a contract. And I think that really goes to show the psychological strain that some of the teachers right. have been under. And I'm sure administrators have faced that too, because they're the, the front line on dealing with the public between the Absolutely. teachers and the public or their administration. Absolutely. Um, Pay is probably the number one thing, but it's also right. a level of respect for the position, right? Absolutely. A level of respect and a feeling that you're not disposable, that your profession right. matters, right? And that's that's right. something that really, I hope that our future generations of teachers are going to be able to see that again, because it's, right. it's something that's definitely missing from the culture right now, at least in right. the national system. The governor just put out a report, and it's a pretty comprehensive report. And one of the main things, of course, was pay. But another thing, too, working conditions. We need to make sure our teachers, a lot of teachers are you know, pulling money out of their own pockets yep. just to have a classroom that is print rich you know, and comprehensive. And so uh, making sure that we have teacher resources available, making sure that our teachers aren't spending you know, 12 to 15 hours a day at the school, you know, giving uh, teachers time to, to – because uh, you know, some of our best teachers, unfortunately, they're going to be coaching as well. They're going right. to be you know, getting involved and going to games or they're going to be going to bar mitzvahs and cookouts and they're going to do the extra things to build the relationship again the symbiotic relationship with the community common unity and so they're going to be out there doing the extra well the thing is is uh that also would increase burnout now again they're being impactful which is amazing but uh we definitely want to uh, decrease uh and mitigate the impending burnout that can happen with that dr lawrence scott joining us next he offers his take on the teaching of critical race theory when Texas Business Minds continues. At Independent Financial, we know you work hard for your business. That's why we work hard for you. Ready to get down to business? Let's talk at ifinancial.com slash business. Independent Financial, banking for business, banking for life. At Texas Mutual, we know the importance of protecting your employees on the road. We create driving safety programs to help keep your people and your bottom line safe. Together, we can reduce driving accidents and drive Texas business forward. Business is safer, stronger, better with Texas Mutual. Now, you mentioned it briefly there, and I think it's worth looping back to, is there's this undue uh, focus, I would suggest, on, on what was called critical race theory in public schools. Now, I, I'm going to go ahead and show my little bit of bias and say I don't think critical race theory was taught below the college level at any point that I'm aware of. But it is really I was really heartened to hear that you were on the group of 40 plus members who were working on the African-American studies curriculum for the state board. That was the high school level that you were working on with. Right, right, right. So well, you got to go back to how this whole thing started. The whole thing started with a guy named Christopher Rufo out of Manhattan Institute. And then it, it, it just grew from there. It got on a couple of news stations, a few politicians, I don't want to name names, around the nation started promulgating. I would say a farce and, and very incomplete understanding of what critical race theory is. Now, I don't want to get into the nuances, but essentially what they're talking about 
would be maybe diversity, equity, and inclusion, or we'll be talking about how we're going to teach our racial history uh, in America. And so what I always tell people, also Kimberly Jones has this uh, analogy where she talks about it's a monopoly game, right? And so from 1619, when slaves got here, to about 1865, the 13th Amendment, and then you had another 100 years of Jim Crow, segregation, redlining, and other things that would cause, I would say, these... Uh, disparities. It's about 345 years. And then from uh, 1964 to 2023, we're looking at about uh, about uh, 58 years. So you're looking at 345 years, juxtaposed about 58 years, 20 generations versus three generations. So we're only about three generations out of these inequities. And so I tell people in order to have critical cogent conversations about race and reconciliation, again, I'm a bridge builder. I work with both sides, Republicans and Democrats. But in order to to really talk about how we're going to bridge uh, the gap between these disparities, the have and have nots, the unlearned and the learned, then we have to have you know, the conversation with fidelity. Think about this. When is the last time you heard about Black Wall Street, the writings of James Baldwin? Did you know that Three Musketeers, Robin Hood, Count of Monte Cristo was actually written by a black person? All three of those were written by a black person, a Frenchman. What about Black Wall Street, where people had their planes? And and so we don't learn, you know, the, the movie Hidden Figures. I didn't even know the story, and I taught history. I didn't even know that story uh, until the movie came out. And so I just think that so many uh, con- contributions that, that African Americans have made to the progression of America are being overlooked. And I think that that's what the discussion on our team, we're trying to say we need to make sure that we put this information in our curricula so our students, particularly our students of color, can see that we are more than just slaves, but we are equitable contributors to the progression of the United States. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I think the the thing that we occasionally lose track of here is that Black history is American history, and therefore it's history we should all be proud of and venerate. That's inseparable from the rest of American history. They are not a separate focus. They are simply a part of, correct? Absolutely. Uh, So, you know, I think attempting to pretend as though any portion of that isn't real is a disservice to our, you know, our neighbors and our community and our friends. Absolutely. And I always think, you know, we're Americans first before all this other racial gaps that we have. We're Americans. And and so not just like you, you know, I traveled around the world. When they see me, they see an American. And so but but America is an amazing it's amazing country, because if you look at our, you know, the Olympics, we're one of the few countries that has every ethnic group represented in our Olympic team. Right. Right. We're not a monolith. And so, you know, I, but but again, we're not a melting pot. We're a garden salad, right? Mm-hmm. You have all the different ingredients of the garden salad, and it, and it tastes amazing because we recognize that, yes, we have differences, but we can come together and celebrate our commonalities. And that's what makes America great. But if we're not talking about our comprehensive history, we're never going to have those conversations in. And that's what we're talking about. Let's have these conversations so we can move forward, go through the bridge together, unify, and continue to make this nation great. I don't think there's any other better message we could possibly wrap it on there, uh, Dr. Scott, than that one. That is about as good a message as I could possibly leave our listeners with. Uh, if you are in San Antonio, be sure that you come down to our 40 under 40 this year because Dr. Scott's going to be giving our keynote. And if you got a little bit inspired just by listening to us talk on the internet, I cannot begin to tell you how much better you feel listening to him in person. So thank you all so much for listening with us today. And Dr. Scott, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. 
Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Texas and brought to you by Independent Financial, banking for business, banking for life. Learn more at ifinancial.com and by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. Texas.